Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger out of Blue Roof Agri Marketing. He is nice enough to come on and talk about what's happened in the world of Commodity markets, Chip. How you doing, bud? Good. How you doing, Casey? Yeah, pretty good, man. It is uh, kind of an odd time right now. You know, it feels weird. Like there's just some, like there's another shoe to drop someplace coming down the way. And if you look at what's going on, <laughs> I kind of agree with that. You can kind of almost, uh, it's, it's almost feel it. You know, it's a, uh, and I think one of the weird things is that so we're coming up in a quarter in a month, right? We got another. Uh, Stocks report coming out here um, next Friday, and if you take a look at what's going on right now, corn and soybeans especially, corn, if it gets close to 5 bucks, it loses 10 to $0.12 cents over the next week and kind of gets back down that 490 range. Um, soybeans, if they get up close to the, to the uh, $14 mark, they kind of work their way back down to that, that $13.85, $13.80, $13.90 type of range. I guess when you're looking at that chip, what's that telling you when you see that kind of sideways trading back and forth yeah well you know i think first and foremost corn and wheat have, have been trying to form a bottom and you're right into the normal seasonal time frame where you can typically see that especially in in wheat uh beans however you know they've had a recent uh puke here that's a technical um you know Sounds market term is yeah. a is a puke yeah uh and they puked back under 13 
<clears throat> and so it's kind of telling you, on the one hand, it could make your brain say, oh, no, you know, maybe this is a big bean yield uh, and we've got all this supply. Um, on the other hand, though, to your point, you've got the end of the quarter coming. These funds, um, you know, they get paid uh, oftentimes either uh, at the on closed positions on a monthly or quarterly basis. So, you know, in order to take their money and get paid their incentive fee, they have to exit their profitable positions and bank that money. And so they've been long beans in soy oil. They've been liquidating that um, right in time at the start of harvest here, when normally you'd see some harvest pressure. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of, you know, back and forth in these markets. Uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, we had the Federal Reserve come out. They didn't raise interest rates, which kind of surprised me. I thought they would raise it a quarter of a point. But they were pretty hawkish saying, hey, we're, <laughs> we're in no way thinking about going lower on this, right? We're either going to hold it steady or increase it going forward. And that really hit the financial markets pretty hard. It shot the dollar a lot higher. It, it kind of hit the stock market and the equities. We saw interest rates push into, I think, 20, 21-year highs. Um, and that kind of weighed on the grain markets uh, as well and kind of induced this risk-off type um, you know, a mentality across the entire commodity sector. So there's a lot of push and pull in here. Um, harvest is starting. You're seeing some harvest, uh, you know, pressure in anticipation of that. And it's just leading to some really sloppy markets in here. And it's, it's easy psychologically to get caught up and say, oh, no, you know, these markets are no good. We're going lower. Beans are going to 10. Corn's going to four. It doesn't help that there's some talking heads out there. And admittedly, I'm one of them, right? I'm, I'm a talking head as much as I don't want to be. But there's some talking heads saying corn's going to four and beans are going to 1080. And that's, in my opinion, kind of what you need to eventually put a low in here. And even in the biggest yielding years, you have bounces post-harvest in corn and beans both. So I think, first and foremost, this is no place to panic. There's lots of volatility going on here with the outside markets and geopolitical stuff with Russia and Ukraine and, and the energy markets. and I just think this is no no place to panic if you're a producer. If you're an end user, um, I'd be licking my chops a little bit here about getting some some corn coverage. Um, you know, again, uh, over a 15, 30-year um, cycle between now and Columbus Day, first week in October, is typically your harvest low in corn, and then you put bounces into winter and spring. So I think you're in the end result really close to uh, some longer term lows here in in corn and wheat and I think you're uh, within a days to a couple weeks away from you know maybe kind of a, an intermediate type low in the bean market too yeah when uh, chairman Powell talks and he comes out and says the things he says you know like hey we're not gonna lower rates but don't get don't get all excited that we're not gonna you know, do whatever. It always reminds me of like my football coach would be, <clears throat> hey guys, we're going to go, you know, half speed, shorts and shoulder pads today. No, not going to kill ourselves, but we're still going to run, right? And that always, that's what, every time he says that, it just reminds me of those conversations like that because he makes it very clear and with no hesitation at all. Like, we're going to probably lower it one more time. And, and if we don't do that, we're looking at a long term 
holding rates. Yeah, and, he, and it surprises the market is the funny yeah. thing, you know, because he's been saying that for two years. Yeah, it's like he's right? back and forth, right? It's been he's been like we're going to two percent, and when we get to two percent, we'll stop doing what we're doing. And and uh, I don't care what it does to the economy. It's kind of what he says, and he's he's been a, a man of his word, and I guess you know he's been keeping keeping it there, and he's not like you said. I mean, I've read some like you, you know your talking head thing, you know. You watch MSNBC and the business, the business networks, Bloomberg and all that stuff, and there are people that are betting their house and their kids' college funds that in the first quarter they're going to lower interest rates by a half a point. I'm like, why are you – have you not listened to one thing this guy said? And he's not wavered from that. Yeah. That, that's what kills me about how – And now the energy markets and the job market really are making his job hard, right? Like with that – I don't know. Again, I'm I'm uh, a Monday morning quarterback, right? Um, but that does not make his his job any easier because you know unemployment continues to shrink. Now, on the one hand, you know maybe that's people getting second and third jobs, right? Because this inflation thing, yeah. I'm telling you, it is a bad deal in the energy markets. Um, you know, diesel fuel and and crude oil and and unleaded gasoline to a lesser extent continue to rally. Um, that's not even factored into the most recent inflation report we got. That's still a month ahead of us. Yeah. And so this inflation thing isn't going away and it is not getting any better. There's only a limited supply of housing, right? I mean, if, if my mortgage is at, uh, uh, 2.8%, I'm not in, uh, you know, a real rush to go buy a new house when it's going right. to be 8%. And right. so there's, it, that just kind of leads to this whole uh you know it's like pushing a beach ball underwater you can only hold it there so long and it goes shooting out uh you know above the water and so he i would not want his job i i don't know how he doesn't have uh some severe ulcers and a lifetime supply of maalox or something i'm sure he's got something somewhere or whiskey or combination of both i'm not sure combination of several things i'm sure to make that work but yeah you're right i mean i look at this so you know, let's talk about the energy market here a little bit. So when you're looking at what's going on there, you have the stuff Saudi Arabia is doing about cutting supply, you know, trying to do what they do. Um, Russia came out a couple of days ago and said, hey, we're not exporting, exporting any more diesel fuel or oil out of Russia right now. You've seen that rally up. Um, right now, I haven't looked at my the ticker or anything on here this morning, but I think yesterday oil closed up 15 cents, if I remember right, something like that. And they're about 91 or 2 or $3 a, a barrel, you know. So that's a all the way down from $68 two, three months ago to where it's at now, you've seen oil really take off and run. And that, like you said, that's, that's going to put some strain on an already fragile economy that we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was, um, you know, I don't know. We've talked about this before, Casey. We could do a whole podcast on it. One of the biggest bungles uh, ever, um, which leads you to around the circle, the dog chasing his tail to say that was exactly what they wanted all along. Uh, with reducing the strategic reserve, it's at thirty or forty year lows. Uh, Saudi Arabia, they had every chance in the world to refill that twenty bucks a barrel lower. They didn't do it. Saudi Arabia starts cutting production. The market rallies. Uh, now Russia almost seems like maybe Russia and Saudi Arabia have a back channel and talking. Let's really put the pressure uh, on these guys. And uh, then you know the ban from Russia as far as uh, exporting. Uh, oil and, uh, and and diesel fuel, and yesterday with the entire commodity sector, the dollar shooting way higher because of the Federal Reserve, um, you know, talk 
of we're going to keep these interest rates higher for longer. Um, crude oil was maybe only one of the one things in the whole commodity sector that closed higher. It's up another buck sixty today, uh, trading north of ninety one dollars. A lot of people think that's going to a hundred. Um, I can't help but think, by the way, as you kind of circle back, that that isn't going to uh, breathe some renewed demand domestically um, if it hasn't already into uh, corn and beans, right? We've got this uh, huge renewable diesel um, industry that's kind of just getting off its feet. It's it's still crawling, trying to walk. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, a very mature ethanol industry and these higher, um, you know, energy prices, I think, are really breathing some nice uh, profitability uh, into there as, uh, you know, these guys, these plants are able to kind of buy this break and their margins are really good on the backside of what they're, you know, hedging in the energy market. So uh, I think that's a demand story that maybe the market isn't thinking about right now in the grains, but it's also a real problem from the inflation standpoint and, you know, eventually is going to, um, have its its say in the economy you know i just i'm a big believer that it hasn't on paper yet but i can just tell you it's you know i I went to a little small town cook your own steakhouse a couple weeks ago and they had a that a chalkboard with all the specials and and they had um, you know a little notice on there hey we apologize our suppliers raising their price of beef we hate to do this um We'll, we'll lower it as soon as we have the chance. 12 ounce ribeye, $41. Now you got a, you got a salad bar, a good salad bar and a baked potato with that. But, um, this is at a small town, you know, out in the country, uh, you know, real USA. And, um, it made you like, Hey man, do we need chicken or a burger here? $41 for a 12 ounce ribeye. And so there's no way that doesn't eventually filter through the economy. And like I said, on this jobs thing, it continued to shrink the jobless and, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the job market is very tight. And and I don't know that that's not because of people having to get second and third jobs to try to make ends meet. And all the data out there also indicates that, you know, people have tapped into their 401ks, people have, uh, exploded credit card debt, uh, home equity, you know, it takes a while to sift through the economy, and unfortunately, the the consumer uh, may be getting uh, about tapped out to where there's no more sources of of capital to them, and then you start seeing the effect of these higher interest rates and this inflation. And I don't mean to be a gloom and doomer, uh, but I just, you know, you can see some dark clouds right uh, out to the west of us right now. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, you look at everything. I, I played was playing around looking at some stuff the other day and I was just like, if I wanted to buy my same house today, you know, on the marketplace, what I paid for this one, you know, blah, blah, blah. Thing, my payment was almost double than as, as it was right now, just because of the way the interest rates are. And, you know, it, it's going to be tough to, to watch how this thing plays out through the end of the year. And I, you know, I keep hearing this, you know, 24 is going to be good, but, and I don't think it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be bad, but I don't think it's going to be gum drops and candy canes. There's going to be a lot of, headwind ahead of us when they start just interest or just you know interest rates and inflation by themselves are going to have such a play until that stuff gets figured out um it's going to be going to be tough 
to keep things moving. And I don't think that means that it's going to be bad in ag necessarily. Usually oh, ag I don't think so. um, is kind of the last one. Once the, the dominoes in the economies kind of start falling, ag is usually the last one. So I, I think from an ag standpoint, um, we could 23 is going to be okay. Obviously, prices are down. I think you're going to see bounces to be able to, to sell. I think 24 is it could be good. You still have some weather issues in South America. I mean, everyone just, I, myself included, you, you think, oh, we're just going to have this massive crop in South America and the never-ending record uh, yields in Brazil. And but they they have they've got some issues down there as far as weather goes. That it, it's too early to to put much stock into it. But you know, come January, February, that could be a different uh, a different story. So there's some things that could still be good for ag, even though this general economy. Looks like we're, um, you know, it's like Wiley Coyote, and and uh, he's off the cliff right now and doesn't know it yet. Um, and so, you know what happens then? The yeah. anvil uh, lands on his head when he hits the bottom. Very sharply. Yep. All right. So, what do you think about this? And give me your opinion on how the market's going to react to this. So, the second ship has come out of the Black Sea now, um, since they've done away with the the uh, free shipping lanes and in, in and out of the Black Sea. Um, how do you think the what, what's the market going to need to see out of out of that to really move the needle? You think? Yeah, that's that's an interesting scenario, right? Um, that has been a little bit negative to the wheat market. <clears throat> um, some smaller ships have loaded uh, a couple of them. It looks like some small amounts of wheat. Um, it looks like there's some sort of a shipping lane that the Ukraine Navy has formed um ukraine and russia have been kind of very active very aggressively um bombing strategic uh, shipping channels right and and export facilities and it seems like the grain market the grain shipping has been front and center in this war um so it's seen as a little bit negative i don't know that the market knows how to handle it just yet you know certainly there's some supply in Ukraine that could be exported. That's really having a tough time. I read this morning that their, um, uh, their August exports were about half of what it was a year ago. And so not that they don't really necessarily have it. They just, you know, Poland and, and Eastern Europe is not real happy about Ukraine dumping grain uh, on their shores. And of- yet they can't ship it out of the black sea. It, to me, it's like a sitting duck. I would not want to be working on, uh, any of those ships, man, I hope they're getting some hazardous pay because, you know, they're, those ships, uh, I'm sure you've, you've all seen them. They don't move very fast. They're sitting ducks out there. Um, I would think that, uh, you know, Russia's licking their chops um, as potential targets. And um, we'll see. I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that, but it, it's a, that's what concerns me. Uh, but it does look like there's a couple that, one at least has made its way back through the Black Sea, and there's one that's kind of loading currently. And so, you know, in the same breath, Russia just has no interest in in redoing uh, that agreement. You know, there's been multiple attempts at trying to get them back to the table. They're just like, no. I mean, their condition all along is, man, you put us back into the SWIFT system so we can move money back and forth in the financial uh, system. And in, until that's agreed upon, they're not going to agree to a Black Sea uh, grain corridor again, it seems yeah. like. So I think the wheat market is so um, 
just weary of these every day, multiple times a day headlines. It's almost like, I don't know how to handle it. Right. And that's really kept the lid. We've tried to rally the wheat market a couple of times now, and maybe still in the process of bottoming this, but there's so many questions out there. It just seems like there's, there's multiple kegs of dynamite out here in the world. And all we uh, need, unfortunately, is a, one of them to get the fuse lit and you could see a huge explosion higher in wheat. You know, I'm not talking $3 higher, but a buck, buck and a half higher in wheat if one of these powder kegs uh, blows uh, just because the funds have a massive short. You're, you know, uh, towards the end of that seasonal time frame where you normally put a low in and rally into, um, you know, the end of the year here. And all, all you need is one little spark, I think, and all these funds run for the exit. Uh, again, you mentioned earlier, you get the end of a quarter coming. So it's going to be an interesting week ahead of us to see what the, what the attitude of the funds uh, is going into the end of the quarter. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be that. And I think, what's your thoughts? They're going to, on this report that comes out, do you think USDA is going to make some changes? Or do you think they're going to leave things alone? Well... <clears throat> the thing to to remember, <clears throat> a lot of people get confused about these quarterly stock reports. So this what this is not the ending stocks, which we put out here a couple weeks ago on the the monthly WASDI reports. That's a prediction of at the end of the marketing year, here's what's going to be left. These quarterly stocks are what is currently in the system in storage and transit. Now, it just so happens that this September one will be our final old crop carryout because the marketing year is over. And so whatever is there as of the 1st of September, that is what is left for our old crop stocks. Um, and they're very hard to peg. And, and so sometimes there's a lot of volatility around these quarterly stocks because um, the unknown is, we know to the bushel almost, what we've exported because that gets put out every week. What we don't know, and we know what we ground for ethanol, what the crush was on beans. What we don't know are some of these kind of unknowns, particularly feed usage on corn and then some of the industrial, you know, um, residual uses, so to speak. And so it makes these reports uh, really hard to, to gauge and predict. And it, it opens the door up for big surprises. Um, I think, Based on where we're at on prices and based on kind of the psychology of the market right now, I would think that the market in general uh, would think that maybe uh, the stocks numbers could be a little bit higher, meaning that demand wasn't as good for corn and beans and that these, these stocks numbers could be a little bit higher than expected. Um, the shock will be if it's not. And there's some argument that on the feed side that the USDA has been understating that on corn all year. Uh, that is one uh, argument. We'll see. Uh, you know, we'll it'll give us our final tally for whether the USA was was close or not on these demand projections. So this one in particular, the September stocks report, opens the door up for big surprises. Um, also, the end of the quarter. Uh, also, we're getting. You know, we're not. What are we? You probably ten percent, twelve percent along in corn harvest, and maybe approaching ten percent uh, on beans. Got some rain around the upper Midwest, slowing things down a little bit. But, you know, once you get to about a third half done with harvest, you know, a lot of times the market's made its lows. So um, it's just going to be an extra volatile day next week. And then 
throw on top of it any headlines we get out of you know Russia, Ukraine, uh, economy. It's just it's really a crazy time in these markets uh, with all that's going on and effective. We talked about that for a couple of years now, but it's it just makes it that much more difficult to figure out what's going on out there. Yep, <clears throat> for sure. All right, Chip, probably a good place to stop. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way to just give us a call. 309-550-7213 is our main office number uh, here in Morton. Uh, be happy to chat with you. If you're bored out there going back and forth in the combine and uh, worrying about the markets and your, your risk management plan, don't hesitate to give us a call. We'd love to chat with you. Right on. Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a great weekend, Casey. Thanks, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn to Moving Iron Podcast and go over to the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So brace yourself, folks. It's a very creative name, the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check that out. <clears throat> if you see everything uh, we're doing over at Moving Iron at movingironllc.com, you can see all the stuff that we've got going on there. So check that out. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard work.